Progress. We're up to Daf Chesam and Aleph. Chesam and Aleph. The Gemara is um, six lines into the page. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak Amar. Yeah. So l- let me explain what, what's going on. We have two. We had two brises yesterday, which had a shaila. If you deliver a get on a boat in Eretz Yisrael, is it considered like Eretz Yisrael or not? So we said the Machlokes. What's the Machlokes about? The Machlokes is Rabbi Yehud and the Rabbanan. Meaning, the Machlokes of Yehud and the Rabbanan is if a person plants fruit or vegetables on a boat in Eretz Yisrael, is a chayav in Shumas and Meisers. The Rabbanan feel that it is because they look at the boat as if it's resting on the ground. So the Rabbanan would feel that the delivering the boat, delivering the get. In the boat is like delivering an Eretz Yisrael. You would not have to say before The Rav Yehuda says no. Rav Yehuda says it's not like delivering uh, on the ground. It's considered a hefsik for trumas and meisris. So therefore, you would it would be like chutzlar. That's what we said yesterday. So when we were learning it, Gavin made a good point, which is he asked a question that I don't understand. It, it, the laws of trumas and meisris are related to whether it comes from the ground. This is a discussion regarding fanechta and fanechta. We said there's two reasons, either because. Uh, there's a lack of lishma, or because there's a lack of traveling. Like, if that's the case, then why would the boats be like, I don't understand, like, if people travel by the boat area, then it should be considered, you know, like, there's two different, they're, they're not working fundamentally the same. Like, the Machlaikas, if he's in the Rabbanon, is whether technically nourishment from a boat is considered nourishing from the ground for the laws of Trumas and Meisters. This is a separate discussion as to whether, whether the concerns of lishma and the concerns of lack of traveling should apply to water area, it's, it's a very strange thing. So the Gemara Taka changes it now. The Gemara says like this, Really no. If the boat is in Eretz Yisrael proper, meaning Kineret, or any other small body of water, it's Avada considered in Eretz Yisrael, and you don't have to say That's according to everybody. Because the Svarah of saying is because there's a lack of Lushma. There's no lack of Lushma in Eretz Yisrael. And it's because of lack of traveling. People travel in Eretz Yisrael. So what's the Machlaikis about? The Machlaikis is as follows. Let me explain. The Machlaikis is not where the boat is in Eretz Yisrael. It's where it's in the Mediterranean. And this is a broader Machlaikis in general. What part of the Mediterranean Sea is considered Eretz Yisrael? So it's a machlekes tanoim. Let me let me just explain. Let's say you have I, art school grad that has a picture, but let's say you have. So we all know what that Mediterranean looks like, right? You just think of it like the coast right, over there. So you have Eretz Yisrael, right? Eretz Yisrael is like here, and then you have to the left is the water of the Mediterranean. There's a machlekes tanoim. What is considered Eretz Yisrael regarding the Mediterranean? The first opinion is the sheet of the chachamim is you take a line sort of from the Akko area and, 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 and you make a line down from the mountains in Akko till Egypt. And if you were to make a straight line, it'll cover some of the coast. I don't know how far out, but it'll cover like a strip of water. That's Eretz Yisrael. That's the Shita of the Chachamim. Rav Yehuda Shita is not like that. Rav Yehuda Shita is not that far, but on the contrary, he actually holds east to west. The length of Eretz Yisrael, meaning the body of Eretz Yisrael, all the way, all the way, all the way is Eretz Yisrael. So, Greece. huh? Till Greece. Till, yeah, exactly. So the Machlaikis, the case, the two Brises, what they're talking about is they're talking about islands 
that are off the coast of Eretz Yisrael, and the machlaikis of whether it's considered Eretz Yisrael before Farnechtam Farnechtam is really the fundamental machlaikis. Is those are those islands Eretz Yisrael? According to our view, the yes, because he looks at all the area to Greece that strip is Eretz Yisrael. The Rabbanon say no, it's only a strip of land from the top to bottom. So the Rabbanon have a little bit more leeway on top to bottom, but they have much less of the water of Mediterranean. The Yehuda has a much larger area of the Mediterranean as being, being Eretz Yisrael. Unless they create any of those little islands, mm-hmm. you should not have two days of... Uh, Correct. Uh, yeah, it would be an okay for all the halachas. Correct. Exactly. So the, the two Bryces are referring to an island off the coast of Eretz Yisrael in the Mediterranean, and the machloikis of whether you say is a broader machloikis as to where the boundaries of Eretz Yisrael end regarding the Mediterranean Sea. Let's just see it inside. The Gemara says, If the if the, the boat is in actual Eretz Yisrael, everyone agrees that you saw, don't say what's the machloikis? The case is it's on the Mediterranean. And the machloikis is, the two prices are referring to an area of the Mediterranean that's a machloikis of whether it's Eretz Yisrael or not. The Tanya, the first price that teaches, Ezu Eretz, where is Eretz Yisrael? And what part of the Mediterranean is Chutzlar? So it says the Brai, so this is the sheet of the Chacham. If you go to the, the mountains of Amnon, which is the north of Eretz Yisrael, and dry, draw a line all the way down to Egypt, a straight line, Art Scroll does it, it's good to have Art Scroll for this stuff, uh, they, a straight line, you'll see there's a shaded area, part of the Mediterranean, that's considered Eretz Yisrael according to the Chacham. And everything not in that area is already chutzlars. So if you'd have islands off the Mediterranean, according to the Chachamim, they're not going to be Eretz Yisrael. Now, the Brisa continues, I said, what are about the islands in the Mediterranean? So I said, You look as if there's a line stretched over them. Mituri Amnon and Achel Mitzrayim from the mountains of Amnon down to Machel Mitzrayim, Minachutel of Nimeretz Yisrael, Minachutel Chutzlars. You should make that line, and there's the shaded area. To the right is Eretz Yisrael, to the left is Chutzlars. That's the Sheet of Chacham. Review, there's a different opinion. And if you look at the next page of our school, they also have Review, there's a Sheet Review, the Sheet is not a straight line from the mountains of Amnon all the way down, but rather you look at it as the from from the body of Eretz Yisrael down to Nachum Mitzrayim, all the way west. All the way west, that's Eretz Yisrael till you hit Greece. Till you hit land. Till you hit land, the first land mass. And the land is a barrier. Correct. Review the Eretz all do west of the coast of Eretz Yisrael, Hariuk Eretz Yisrael. All of that water is Eretz Yisrael. Shenemar, as the Pasuk says, V'gvul yam v'ayelahem v'yam agadol v'gvul z'ayelahem yam gvul. That the Pasuk describes Mediterranean as the gvul, which means Mediterranean is part of Eretz Yisrael. V'hanisim shebet stadin, so regarding islands off the coast of Eretz Yisrael, so you look at it. Kiluchot matuach aleim ekluf mekafluria ad yom okinius. You go from kafluria, which is the top of Eretz Yisrael, all the way down to the Atlantic Ocean. So basically, the way they do it, the articles of the pictures, you have Kifulia on top, Nachamitzrayim on the bottom, and just all the way west. That's all Eretz So the Machloikis, our the two Brises are referring to islands that are that are in Afghanistan, in between. They're islands that are off the coast of Eretz Yisrael, 
They're in the area due west of Eretz Yisrael, but they're far away from the Chacham. So the Chachamim consider a Chutz Laaretz, so you have to say B'fanei Nechdem, B'fanei Nechdem. Rav Yehuda considers it Eretz Yisrael, and you don't have to say B'fanei Nechdem. Beautiful. Now just end this discussion. Barabanan, the Rabbanan, who have a smaller barometer, Hai Ugvul Mayavadli, what do they do with the word Ugvul, which is what Rav Yehuda felt shows you that all of the Mediterranean is considered Eretz Yisrael. What do they do with that? Mayavadli the Rabbanon use it for the small islands that are included in the shaded area. And Rav Yudah says those are not necessary because it's Pasha that it's Eretz Yisrael. Therefore, the word Gvul is coming to include the entire Mediterranean to west. Okay. Fine. Weiter. Now, we had in the Mishnah that we were talking, it was Machlek, is whether Akko is Eretz Yisrael. So then now we're going to introduce a concept of whether what is Syria. What is the status of Syria? Now Syria is not was not conquered by Yoshua or Moshe Rabbeinu. So you'd say, well, how would it be Eretz Yisrael? So when David Melech, um, at some point David Melech conquered parts of Syria, um, it's a shaila of whether David Melech conquering parts of Syria, whether that makes it biblical Eretz Yisrael. It's machlekes tanoim whether parts of Syria are considered biblical Eretz Yisrael. Okay. The reason being is because when the time Davon Amelch conquered it, there was still some sort of fractions that are split and not following him. So it wasn't conquered fully by the king of Israel on behalf of the entire Jewish people. So it's a shaila of what is the status of Syria in Halacha. So the Gemara says like this. What is the status of Syria regarding selling a slave? The Halacha is, if you have a Canaanite slave, right? The, the halacha is when you have a, not a Jewish slave, a non-Jewish slave. So a non-Jewish slave comes, works for you. So you, you, there's a process, you dip in the whatever it is. The halacha is that a non-Jewish slave has to keep certain mitzvahs. Right? He has the same obligation as a woman. Certain mitzvahs. Which means you can't cause him to break the Torah. Now if you, let's say you go to him, right, and, and a Bezdin finds out that you, you're forcing him to break the Torah. What's Bezdin going to do? Bezdin's going to force you to free him. When you free him, you dip him in the mikvah, he becomes a full-fledged Jew. The Bezin is not going to be okay with someone forcing a slave, a non-Jewish slave, who has to keep certain aspects of Torah They're not going to be cool with you forcing him to be Mechalal Yomtif and Mechalal Shabbos and Mechalal Torah. They're not going to be cool with that. So the halacha was, Takanus Chazal, if you take a non-Jewish slave and you sell him to Chutzlaretz, so you have a non-Jewish slave, you're living in Tel Aviv. So, okay, he's staying in Eretz Yisrael and keeping all the mitzvahs of Eretz Yisrael. And you sell him to America, the halacha is, you have to free him. If you sell him to America, you have to free him. That's a certain halacha regarding an Evi You have to free him, you have to give him an anticipation letter if you sell him to Eretz Yisrael. That's the halacha. The chutzlar, I'm sorry. The question is, if I sold him to Syria... Do I have to free him? In other words, is Syria Chutzlaretz or is Syria Eretz Yisrael? That's the shayla. So Amrlu Tanisua he says, "Well, look at the Mishnah. The Mishnah says Rav Meir Oimer Aker Keretz Yisrael Legitin. Rav Meir says Ako is like Eretz Yisrael regarding the laws of Gitin. Legitin in Lavadim Lo. The implication is that Ako is considered Chutzlaretz regarding a slave. If Akko is Chutzlaretz, Kavachaymer Syria is Chutzlaretz. That's the assumption. Because it says that Akko is Eretz Yisrael regarding the laws of Gitin, that you don't have to say before the The implication is that it's Chutzlaretz regarding a slave. If you sell a slave to Akko, you'd have to free him. Kavachaymer if you sell a slave to Syria. Okay. Tan Rabbanon. In three ways, Syria 
is like Eretz Yisrael, and in three ways it's like Chutzlars. How so? Simen Av Barak. What are the three ways that Syria is similar to Chutzlars? Afara Tomei Chutzlars. First of all, Syria is Tomei like all of Chutzlars. That if you touch the land of Syria, you're Tomei. That's number one. Number two, if you sell a slave to Syria, you have to free him, like Chutzlaretz. And number three, if you bring a get from Syria, you have to say, those are the three ways. So it's Tomei, the slaves have to go free, and you have to say, that's how three ways, it's like Chutzlaretz. How in three ways is Syria like Eretz Yisrael? There are three ways that Syria is like Eretz Yisrael. Number one, they're chayev and ma'iser in shmita like Eretz Yisrael because they considered Syria Eretz Yisrael regarding the laws of Shumas and ma'isers. Number two, you could enter their wall tahara, wall in a state of tahara, and remain in a state of tahara. Now that's a very strange thing because we just got finished saying that it's metame, the offer of Syria is metame. So if the offer is metame, then how could you stay tahar by entering? The Gemara is going to address that in a second because that's, you understand, it's a bit of a contradiction. Well, the first thing was that the, the land of Syria is metame, but then we just got finished saying that if you enter in a state of tahara, you're tahar, you remain tahar. So... Is it metame or is it metahar? That's question. Okay, we'll deal with that. And the last one is hakaine sada b'Syria. Go to the next page. If you buy a land in Syria, kikaine pefavare yushalayim. It's like it's like buying of yushalayim. Now let me just spoil what that means. What is this? Is the brisa? Now what does it mean that if you buy land in Syria, it's like buying land in yushalayim? The halacha is like this. On Shabbos, you obviously now let it get a guy to write a document for you, right? That's obviously Amir La'akum. What happens if you have a guy go over to you on Shabbos and he says, listen, I'm willing to send you a house, uh, sell you a house in, in, in Yerushalayim. The halacha is you're allowed to get a guy to write up the deed. Why? Because the Indian of acquiring land of Yishev Eretz Yisrael is so important that we allow you, because if you wait till after Shabbos, what if he changes his mind? He chop right, right now, get him to write it right now, the deed of sale, because we want you to acquire land in Eretz Yisrael. So too it is with Syria. If you get a guy who's willing to sell you a pot of Syria, because Syria, this Brisa really feels, is biblically Eretz Yisrael, maybe rabbinically not, but it's biblically Eretz Yisrael, if you have an opportunity to purchase land in Syria, you chop right, and you get a guy to fill out the document, even on Shabbos. Okay, so you have three ways that Eretz Yisrael, that Syria is like Eretz Yisrael, and if, you got it? Thank you. And in three ways, Syria is like Chutzlarts. So let's analyze. So we said, you see, basically in a nutshell, if I had to tell you what is Syria according to this Brisa, it's biblically Eretz Yisrael, it's rabbinically Chutzlarts. That's basically how it comes out. It's Chayiv and Maiser and Shemitah, because it's biblically Eretz Yisrael, but rabbinically it's Tameh. That, 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 that's basically how it comes out. It's rabbinically not Eretz Yisrael, but it's biblically Eretz Yisrael. <laughs> Yechayev Meiser, Shmita, if you sell a, sell, sell a slave there, it go, he got to, you have to free him, and the land is Tameh. Right, that's the Yechayev. That's like it's Chutzlar. Right, right, right. And then it's like Eretz Yisrael, no, and you have to say, and it's like Eretz Yisrael, that Yechayev Meiser, Shmita, you can enter there in a state of Tara, which is a contradiction we'll address in a second. And on Shabbos, if you get a plot of land being sold to you, you can get a guy to fill out the document. So, 
This Brisa feels that when Dabra Melch conquered it, although he was an individual, it's considered conquering on a biblical level, and therefore it's considered Eretz Yisrael regarding Shemitah and Meiser. Now here's the problem. The contradiction is, the first part of the Brisa says that the land of Syria is Tameh, but then the end of the Brisa said, if you want to enter in a state of Tahara, you could enter and remain Tahar. So I don't understand. Are you Tomei if you enter Syria or are you Tahar if you enter Syria? It's a straight up contradiction. So the Gemara says, So which one is it? Is Syria Metame or is it not Metame? So the answer is, Beshida Teva Umigdal. The answer is, the land itself is Tameh, but the airspace is not. Therefore, if you enter Syria, if you enter Syria in a in a in a in a box or in a moving you know uh, plane whatever you're not going to be tummy the land is tummy but not the airspace that's the answer so when the bryson says that you're tummy it means if you touch the land but the airspace is not tummy so if you're carried in a box in syria you fly over syria you're not going to be tummy that's the halachic status so that's, that explains the contradiction so it's rabbinically tummy but they didn't extend the tumma to the airspace uh what do you mean I, I have no idea. Uh, but probably, I would assume the water of Syria. I would assume the sound if there is water of Syria. But the point is, so is Syria matam the land? So the Bryce's is stira. The answer is the land itself is tame. The airspace over the land is not tame. The Gemara says, If you enter any of the land of Chutzlaretz in a carriage, a trunk, or a closet, you're being carried. It's a machlaikis in general whether Chutzlaretz is metama airspace. When Chazal made the tumma of Chutzlaretz, which was motivated due to the fact that there was concern of dead bodies, how far did they go? So the question is, are they concerned about Jews or not? So did they extend it to airspace? It's a machlaikis tanoyim. It explains the Gemara. But Syria is a kuliyama only tummy land, not the airspace. So when the Bryce says it's tummy, it means touching the ground. But the airspace is tahar according to everybody. That's the status of Syria. The last halacha regarding Syria is that if you purchase land in Syria, it's like purchasing land in Yerushalayim. So what does that mean? So I already told you what it meant. It meant that if a guy is willing to buy it from you on Shabbos, you get it right enough. So the price explains. Lamai Hilchasen, what area is buying land in Syria like buying land in Yerushalayim? You're allowed to write up the document even on Shabbos. Now the Gemara simply put means that you could write up even a Jew. What do you mean? A Jew could write a document on Shabbos? That's Chil Shabbos Darei. How could a Jew write the document on Shabbos? Of course not. Rather, kita Rava. It means like Rava. Rava said, You're allowed to get a guy to do it. Even though generally getting a guy to write a document for you is rabbinically forbidden on Shabbos. For the mitzvah of Yishav Eretz Yisrael, for purchasing land of Eretz Yisrael, they were not gozer because it's important to have land of Eretz Yisrael, and if he has an opportunity to sell it to you, you jump on it. Okay, let's start the next Gemara. I don't know, I think we're going to have to maybe stop a little earlier just because it's in a flow in tomorrow's daf. And yeah, we'll do the first part. I think I know where we're going to stop. Um, okay. Here's the halacha. The halacha is like this. I mentioned before that if you free a non-Jewish slave, right? Let's say there are certain situations where you have to free a non-Jewish slave. Let's say you sell him to chutzla arts, he has to be freed. You have to give him an emancipation document. In general, you free a non-Jewish slave for whatever reason. You have to give him a document. The halacha is 
that in tomorrow's daf, in the Mishnah, daf Tesem Aleph, the Mishnah is going to tell us that Chazal treated a non-Jewish slave like a woman. Meaning, the same way if you divorce a woman and there's a shliach that brings the divorce, you have to say, So to a non-Jewish slave that brings his emancipation document, you give your, your slave a, a, a freedom document and you say, listen, take this to Eretz Yisrael. Either you give it to him directly, you give it to a shliach. But let's say you give it to a shliach, you give it to him directly. You say, listen, take it to Yerushalayim, and when you get to Yerushalayim, you're free. He has to come in front of Bezdin and say, Now, that's an interesting thing for two reasons. First of all, that's a stringency, but it's also a major leniency. I'll tell you why. One of the major things, the reason why they made the slaves say it is for the same reason. Outside of Eretz Yisrael, they were not learned. Lishma, you got to make sure it's Lishma. And also, much more practical, right? Rabbi Isli Durava. Why is it that when a woman brings a get from Lebanon to Eretz Yisrael, they say, it's to protect her, right? Because she brings the document, a year later, the husband's like, I didn't write that, I didn't sign that. She's now got to get Adim to sign, to prove that the signatures are legit. It's a big headache. You bring in, you say, we believe you. That leniency was extended for slaves as well, because think about it. Non-Jewish slave brings a document. Now he's Jewish, right? He goes to the mikveh, he's Jewish, and he has a document. He brought it in from... Lebanon, whatever it is. So we say to him, uh, how do you know the signatures? Those signatures aren't legit. Now he's got, now he's stuck. He's the same thing. He's got to now get, now he's like an aguna, so to speak. It's like, we don't know, is he, is he a slave still? Is he free? He's got to now find uh, Adam to, to, to legit, legitimize the document. It's a big headache. So we said, you know what? Say and you're good. So the same leniency that was extended to a woman was extended to a slave. Now here's the Shiloh of this daf. The shaila is, let's say a slave brings a document. I'll give you two extreme cases. A slave brings a document that says that he's free. He says, Is he believed? Yes. If the, husband, if, the, if the owner comes a year later and says, I never signed that, do we, do we have to invest? No, we believe him. Yeah. What if the slave brings... Anywhere. Chutzlars. Yeah, yeah. Any, then... You have a non-Jewish slave bring another document that says um, they sold me a plot of land. No, nothing to do with slavery. Just stop. Uh, you know, they sold me uh, a house, and then the owner of the house says, "I never signed that." But he, could he say No, was a heter that was extended to the emancipation. It was not extended to any other business business dealings. Like any other document, if it's questioned, you need to bring two witnesses. The kasha of this Ahmed is what if the slave brings a document that says you and all of my belongings go to you. So in one statement, it's an emancipation document, but it's also a deed of sale or a deed of a gift. Then it's questioned, does, and he can't find two witnesses. It works for the emancipation because the emancipation, there's a leniency that is suffices. The question is, what is the halacha regarding the other part of the document? That's this discussion. Let's see it inside. Taner Abanan. Eved Shehevi Gita. If a slave brings his emancipation document from Chutzlaretz, the Kasevoy, and it's written in the document, Atzmecha, you're free, Unichsai Knuyinlach. You and all of my belongings belong to you. So this document has two statements, really. It says that you're free, 
And it says, you get all of my belongings. Then, the owner comes and says, I never signed that. So, okay. So he said, So what's the halacha? He himself is free because Chazal believed him regarding his own freedom. But, because it says, statement number one, and statement number two, we look at it as like two different documents. So the statement, his legitimizes his emancipation, but it doesn't legitimize the other part because the other part is just standard gift or any business dealing, in which case, if it's questioned, you got to bring two witnesses. Fine. Now, over there, at least you could say it was atzmecha, which is statement number one, and nechsai, two different words. So you can look at it as two different documents. What if, new case, and this is the Shaila of the Gemara, what if a slave brings a document and all the document says, I, the owner, give all of my belongings over to the slave. Now, in essence, that is a deed of, of freedom. Because think about it. If I'm telling you, again, I own a slave and I own two houses. I write in the document, I give it to the slave, I say, you own everything I have. Now, that's two houses and himself, right? Because he's part of what I own. Which means, in other words, that is an emancipation document and it's a document of giving gifts over the houses, but it's all in one statement. So the question is like this. He says, a month later, I as the owner come and say, I never signed that. So the question is, now what? So again, you'll say the same thing. We believe you for the freedom, not for the gifts. The problem is, this is all one statement. Are you able to split up? Like when it's atzmecha and nechsai, those are two different statements. You could say, we believe you for atzmecha, not nechsai. But over here, it's just kol kenuyim. It's, it's one statement that says, I get everything that guy owns, which includes me and houses. It's all one statement. The question is, can you split up one statement? That's the Shiloh of the Gemara. The Gemara says, Amr Abayah. So Abayah says, no. Abayah says, you can't split it up. It's all or nothing. It's binary. One or zero. So one, meaning the same way it works for you, you're free, you actually get everything. Meaning, we can't split it up, so we're just going to give you everything. Even though you said, which does not help for monetary dealings, because it helps for your emancipation, it helps for the monetary deals. It's all or nothing, and it's all. That's a bias statement. Rava says to him, I'm really Rava, I don't understand. I understand why he should be believed for emancipation because we treat it like a get and there's a leniency that's extended. How could he acquire the house? The, the, the house should fall under the category of stam shtaras, which is you need to prove, legitimize it with two witnesses and you can't in this case. So I, I don't understand. How could you tell me that it's binary and he gets everything. How could he get the houses? So Abayah says, okay. Again, Abayah started off the discussion by saying, I don't split it up. Therefore, it's all or nothing. So you're going to be free and you're going to get the house. Rabbi says, how could you get the house? So Abayah says, okay, all or nothing, nothing. I tried all or nothing, all. Now I'm going to try all or nothing, nothing. Binary, now one and now it's zero. Fine, I get it. You can't acquire the house. Then you're not free either. I'm not, it's all or nothing, and therefore it's nothing. So Rava responds again. Rava says, but I don't understand. He should be able to emancipate himself. Meaning, Abaya is going with all or nothing, and Rava doesn't like it. He doesn't like the all or nothing, because he says, I don't understand. I, I, he should be free, but he shouldn't get the house. That's what, that's what should happen. So Abaya says, you know what Rava says? Split it. 
So Rav says, you know what? In both cases, he's going to be a free man. But he's not going to acquire the houses. That's Rav's take on the entire thing. So in the case where it says, it was a kol nechasin kinuyim lach, and he says, and he cannot prove that it was uh, that it's legitimate, he's going to be free, but he's not going to get the houses. That's Rav's take. Now, I think what we should do is we're going to stop here because it follows into tomorrow's daf. We're going to try to figure out who is the author of Rav's opinion. That Rav's opinion is splitting it up. The problem is, it seems to be Rav Shimon that splits up statements, but even Rav Shimon would have a problem. But it's, it really goes into tomorrow's daf too much. So we'll, we'll stop here. And we'll pick it up uh, tomorrow. All right.